City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City Limits. Limits. <laughs> Hang on, I was doing something else. It's um, City Limits, and here we are, and uh, the door's half jammed because it's caught in my bang. Never mind. No one cares about those things. No one gives a stuff. Till there's no noise. No one can see. That's the joy of radio. That's no one right. can see. Till there's noise outside, and they say, What's that annoying bloody yeah. noise? Yeah. And it is City Limits. It's um, the um, fourth Wednesday of the month. It's the last Wednesday of the month. It's the last day of summer, in fact, if you think about it. Well, I almost felt like it was. Already autumn when yes. I was riding my bike here today. Yes, to ride your bike. You made that point I very really good. Did, oh, I? You see, I just slipped that in. I saw, some, <laughs> saw a couple of other bikes at the front when I chained up. <laughs> and um, and indeed, um, tomorrow when you get up in the morning, there'll be no leaves on any trees. Indeed. But Is that how it works? All be on the ground. Just yep. overnight. Yep, that's how oh, it happens. Fascinating. Um, yes, absolutely. Didn't know that. But indeed, today's program is one that you've done the league work for mostly, Meg. So tell us what's on. Oh, well. Um, there's a group called we Citizens. We are, I suppose. You're Megan, I'm, I'm Kevin. Meg, yeah. 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 Um, there's a group called Citizens for Melbourne who are advocating for usable public spaces um, for human beings, not just cars and corporations. Um, I'll pour some tea while you're talking about Sure. Yeah. So they've uh, launched themselves as a group because of uh, as a response to the news that an Apple store is going to be built in Fed Square. Um, but their vision is a bit broader than that, but it w- we'll be talking about the, f- the Apple Store today. Right here. Yeah. And, um, and a couple of them coming in all on the phone. Or yeah, yeah. Um, James and Tanya are going to be coming into the studio. All right, going well. right. And, uh, and indeed, before that, when, we get, when they come in, we're going to play about, I think it's about 10 minutes. Have you got the time Yeah, yep, it's 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah, it was about 10 minutes. And people might have heard this on Solidarity Breakfast last Saturday week, a, a debate at which the CEO of, um, of Federation Square mm. spoke for these 10 minutes, obviously, mm. um, about it and uh, put his case for why, in fact, the Apple thing is so critically important to Melbourne. It's going to yep. put us right up there on the map. Yep. Um, and we'll listen to what he has to say and we'll ask our guests to, uh, to what they think of what he has to say. Yeah. yeah. I think those who haven't heard it will find it absolutely fascinating <laughs> to know that, uh, that Federation Square isn't really an open space. It's a, it's a business. Ah. It's well. a business. Well, well, well. Yep. That explains everything. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it does, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, um, people might have noticed in the Herald Sun for the last week, I'm going to have a sip of tea. Hang on a tip. Mm. Ah, there we are. Um, we've got um, people, they've been running double-page spreads here. It's got my bag caught in it. Meg, thanks a lot. Meg's just sorting out the door problem. Uh, thank you. Um, hope she didn't damage my bag. I'll have to sue her. Um, 
We're for fearless commentary was one of these. Double page mm. spreads. Um, every day they've had about various aspects of why the Herald Sun's so wonderful. The we're, yeah. for, we're for fearless commentary ones. Mm. Uh, they talk about their fearless commentators, and you can imagine who they name. Some, uh, you know, yeah, yes, divisive people. In fact, they describe him as the most, you know, we're talking about bolt through the head. Oh. The most read columnist in Australia leads with fearless commentary and insightful journalism. Wow. On the political and social, and it goes on to all their other right-wing people who oh. write crap. Wow, um, that's amazing. Yeah, that's funny because the New York Times has a kind of a, a grab like that. You know, it's like, um, you know, oh, I can't remember what it is, but fearless reporting, basically, yes, like telling yes. the truth the about truth, what's going the truth, on. That's right. God, <laughs> well, they're advertising them just being really opinionated. Well, I think Murdoch's Fox News had a similar slogan, but people were making so much fun of it, they took it away because you know it was, it was so obviously. <laughs> Not the truth. Um, so uh, <laughs> that was that. Yeah. But in terms of this fearless reporting, a couple of things I thought, we, the ones we, t- we, we like to pick up the ones that are hard news stories. This one fascinated me through the week. There's a, on the social pages, the confidential social, where they talk about all the people who really matter in this town. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl Stavanovich, I've never seen, but I know he's on television. Okay. Uh, yeah. Not um, sure who he is. No, he's a, yeah. he does a morning show, but apparently oh, one okay. of those yep. shows that no, yeah, we would never watch. Um, <laughs> We're listening to <laughs> Breakfast right. at 3CR right. every are. morning. We are. <laughs> well, it's, the headline is, Bells Aren't Ringing Just Yes, and there's a photo of Steph, of um, Carl and his partner, his fiancée, fiancé, they have fiancés, these people, Jasmine Yarbrough, I don't know who she is, mm-hmm. uh, but Carl says he and fiancé Jasmine will keep their lives private. Mm. Now, they're keeping it private. There's a whole story about them and a big photo they're posed for. And then, to what degree, what do they regard as private for God's Interesting. sake? Interesting. All over the social pages. Anyway, they're keeping it private, but somehow it sneaked into the social page. Fear, the Sun. Fearless reporting. Yes, they must have, when they posed, they didn't realise it was going to be published. Mm. Um, now, again, on page five, the big news story last night, Tuesday, which was yesterday, wasn't it yesterday? Mm. Is that yesterday? Yes, it is. Um, mm. No, yes, it is. It is. Um, there's a woman called Cassandra Clementi gets a heads up on fashion at Government House, and there she is in this swing. See her in Britain, pink. Oh, wow. At Government House, Cassandra swings into Fashion Festival. Now, once again, I love the Fashion Festival hard news stories, as you know. Yes, as yes. You know, I know. One, there's I've one a day. There's one a day. <laughs> I don't know now, what this... you have against fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Take a look at me. <laughs> this week, this week, the Virgin Australia Melbourne Fashion Festival will kick off in style tomorrow night with a glatz tonight, by the way, if you want to get there. Um, oh, good. With a glamorous official opening at Government House. You should be able to pop in there any time. For sure. Aussie actor Cassandra Clementi, I've never heard of, but anyway, but she's, I goes on tell her she's in Home and Away, which is why we probably never heard oh. of her, who is set to join VIPs at the launch of the country's largest consumer fashion festival, was excited to visit Government House ahead of the event. It is just so wonderfully spectacular there, the Home and Away star says. Mm. I felt so lucky getting to be there before everyone heads in for the event. It's like a little oasis in the middle of the city. This year marks the 22nd staging of the festival with an additional 19 runway shows bringing the total to 50 and showcasing more than 100 established and emerging designers. The premium runways begin on Monday with the gala David Jones runway with Ginger and Smart while Ginger and Smart are featured in the Grand Showcase on March 8. Consumers will have the chance to get up close to Maya faces, Jennifer Hawkins, Rachel Finch 
in Elise Knowles wow. as part of their in-store runway shows from March 8 to 10. The festival will continue until March 18. Isn't that a wonderful news little story? little community yeah. notice there for everyone who That's wants right. to go. Oh, what I'm going to get a, my ticket today. What a deep news story. Oh. <laughs> really, yes. It's true. And it's also free ads for whatever they just push there. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting back to um, more serious matters, um, not that that wasn't serious. I'm sorry. No, Pretty serious. Think that, was, that wasn't serious. Um, um, last week, of course, thanks to Barnacle, we ended up with Matthias Cormann, Matthias Rotten to the, as acting prime minister. Uh, as you know, he was acting prime minister last week. Wow! But and there's a story about him that he, he was big news in Belgium because he comes from Belgium. That he, uh, Belgium was being prime minister in Australia. Yeah. Um, and he says, um, he says, my parents are pretty salt of the earth, pretty working class. Mm-hmm. Now you think. If they were, what went wrong? <laughs> where, where did it all change? <laughs> and, and I thought the most unnecessary, but obviously he thought the most necessary comedy had to make the first thing, the new bloke who became leader of the Hayseed and Sheepshit Party, mm. um, uh, Michael McCormick, his, his biggest, you know, his biggest scream was, "I'm not Barnaby," and you certainly would. Wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> and I think if you were elected leader, we know that that's already. right. The yeah. first thing you'd say is, "Yeah, I'm not Barnaby." That's Nobody sure. else is Barnaby. No, that's yeah. right. That's right. Um, and on Monday, and this is, um, I use our money a bit loosely, but it's state money. Uh. Um, now, a four-page wraparound in the Financial Review would be incredibly expensive. Four mm. pages around the whole thing yep. out, up front. Yep. Uh, Mission Impossible, and it was four pages. Victoria is the only choice for Land 400, telling us how we have to, Victoria is the best place to build all these weapons of mass oh. destruction. It's four pages advertising Victoria as the place where we should build all our train killer Material, wow. all these bloody things. Wow. Uh, building the best armoured vehicles, transforming advanced manufacturing, building military vehicles. We know landing at Fort Fisherman. Fisherman's Bend, they want to push as one of the keys to, uh, yep. to it. So yep. I thought four pages of our money yep. to, to build, build things that are going to kill people. Mm, there's some, yeah, it'd be interesting to see who, you know, the government's been having lunch with. Well, to and discussing, you know, new projects. Well, what's happening, of course, is also all the states are buying to get these bloody things. Yeah. And they'll end up underbidding each other, so the companies are going to play them off on each other, and uh, yeah. they'll, they'll end up getting They'll end up being paid to come here. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. yeah. Which is what it's too. But then there's another yeah. ad, full page ad, from one Australian to another, and this is BAE Systems. Um, Gabby Costing is the chief executive. She and she concludes by saying, it's, you know, how it's going to BAE will, by building these tr- these train killer things in Australia, will employ all these people and it's going to bring billions of dollars. It's just wonderful what they do. And having served in the armed forces for many years, it makes her a wonderful person. Mm. I understand the importance of delivering world-leading technology to better protect the men and women who put their lives on the line for us. That's the trained killers. Mm. I am confident that we can do this and at the same time help grow the nation's economy. That's why from one Australian to another, I believe our nation's defence capabilities should be built by Australians for Australians. Now, the only problem with that is BAE, the B bit's British, isn't it? Mm. Is it? I think it is. British. I mean, I might be wrong, but it's certainly it's not an Australian company <laughs> as far as I know. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's British, so I just thought that was it's interesting. A bit of clever advertising. And on on the same theme, of course, um, while in US last week, um, getting a brown tongue, 
um, Malcolm Turnbull managed to um, agree to more Marines coming to Australia to defend us. So isn't that wonderful? So we're going to get even more Marines now coming here because of the growing concerns about the rise of China is the term that's used. So wow. Our anyway. guests are here. Oh, well, let's um, bring them in. Are we ready to bring them in? Yeah, let's bring them in. I'll put a little grab on and we'll be back in a second. Yeah. Right, yeah. Would well, you want to introduce you? And, well, no, we've got, well I'll, I'll introduce and you can then introduce, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Uh, we've got our guests in here and you're going to tell us their names in a second. Yeah. Um, and and um, we're also going to play, as we said earlier in the show, a speech by the CEO of Federation Square, whose name is whatever, but you can now introduce from there. Well, thanks, Kevin. <laughs> James and Tanya in the studio. Hi, guys. Hi. Good to have you here. Um, so you're from Citizens from Melbourne, right? Yes. And we did. I did tell a little bit about it at the beginning of the show, um, that you're a group that's you've started because of the situation with the Apple Store in Fed Square, but you have a bit of a broader view about um, making public spaces accessible and appropriate for everybody? Absolutely. Yeah. So how did it mm-hmm. all start? Like- um, I think uh, the group of us, um, we all got together. We've all in some way, shape or form been quite vocal um, about the announcement around yeah. uh, the Apple Store at Fed Square. We have a couple of the petition, uh, the people that started petitions on change.org. Nice. On our side, yeah. uh, James wrote an editorial for The Age. I wrote a piece uh, for an architectural online magazine. Nice. Um, yeah. So we're all yeah. heavily invested. I saw the piece that you guys wrote together. Yes. There was a good rebuttal of <laughs> some of the arguments about why the Apple Store is a good idea. It was, ni- it was nice to have the opportunity to respond directly uh, yeah. in such a public forum of yeah. the Herald Sun. Yeah, yeah. Surprise. Kevin's favourite newspaper. Biggest surprise, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's, <laughs> let's give you a chance to respond again. Let's, let's play the CEO. What's his name again, the CEO? Do you know? I think it's Jonathan Tribe. That's right. It? Whatever. Yeah. Is it okay? Well, anyway, Tribe is the last There name. was a debate a couple yeah. of weeks ago where he <laughs> spoke and then, um, then your group responded to what he said. Uh, but let's play the 10 minutes of what he said, because even by their standards, it's a pretty extraordinary speech. <laughs> Here we go. Jonathan Tribe is the CEO of Federation Square. He has had a diverse and successful career leading and managing complex, high-profile organizations to deliver a broad range of critical services in the public and private sectors. Combined with more than 30 years of executive experience, Jonathan has also been a key contributor in various roles, such as director and president of industry bodies, at a state and national level, which involve policy development, representation, and advice to government. Prior to Fed Square, Jonathan led the role of Chief Operating Officer at Victoria University. Previously, he had been CEO at Southern Metropolitan Cemeteries Trust, was a senior executive in Delaware North Companies, Inc., from, uh, from 1997, and managing director of Delaware North Companies International from 2004 to 10. These appointments followed an extensive executive career in the health sector that included executive director at the Royal Melbourne Hospital as well as executive director at the Western Hospital. Jonathan holds a Bachelor of Arts, Psychology and Economics from the University of Melbourne and a Master's of Business Administration from Monash University. Please join me in welcoming him to the stage. Uh, Well, thank you, Andrew. Um, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. To successfully deliver our civic and cultural charter into the future, our business model needs to change. And despite the range of personal opinion and differing philosophies that we'll hear tonight, most of which I think are largely irreconcilable, I want to tell you why 
to broadly explain my organisation's reimagination of the square's strategic direction and why the Apple Global flagship store fits within it. There have been fundamental and continuing changes in our operating conditions since opening, which present us with serious but exciting challenges. Some of them you've already heard about, but let me repeat them where necessary. I want to give you some examples. The Square now operates in a highly competitive environment. Our identity as Australia's preeminent Square is under threat from Darling Harbour and the new Yagan Square in Perth, both of which are more technologically advanced. Developments of the Melbourne Quarter, plan for, plans for Queen Vic Market, the roofing of the rail lines between the MCG and Melbourne Park as an event live site, traditionally part of our core business, and Cato Square in Paran are all examples of imminent competitive threats. The relocation of the Australian Open Live site to its own precinct and the rerouting of the AFL Grand Final Parade to Indianara Park have both impacted attendances. The development of restaurants in Flinders Lane and its surrounding alleyways have impacted Fed Square's food and beverage patronage, most of which are understood not to be meeting their respective business plans. They are certainly not meeting our rental expectations. In the past 12 months, two tenancies have closed and two more wish to exit. The imminent occupancy of St Paul's Court by Metro Rail for at least five years will have a dramatic impact financial and operational on the square. And on completion, it's unclear to us at the moment if this area will ever be usable again for activation, given the entrance and exit to the station and the need for potential evacuation, emergency evacuation zones. The demolition and permanent relocation of the Melbourne Visitors Centre will affect visitation since many of the visitors remain in the square once they're here. And this permanent relocation by the City Council was done without consultation with Fed Square to a building which we understand to be built behind the Young and Jackson's pub. Visitation to the Square has reduced in recent years from approximately 11 million a year to 10 at present. And now in our 16th year, our infrastructure needs significant maintenance, estimated to be about $50 million over the next 10 years. The funding framework of various state governments of any colour classifies the square as a public non-financial corporation and therefore, unlike other arts and cultural institutions, we're not eligible for any financial operating grants from government and our operating costs are required to be covered from our own operations. So we must strengthen our endeavours to be self-funding. As a consequence of all of this and other things besides, my organisation needs to reimagine its future direction. While some of these changes are still being considered, others have been launched within the square. For example, an integrated series of LED screens on the transport building will create a digital art gallery to display conventional programming, but also creative artwork developed by artists, by collaborations with NGV and ACME, or created by university students as their practical academic coursework. This will generate increased levels of advertising and sponsorship revenue. There will be a greater number of ticketed events, such as the recent Aboria, or the forthcoming Disney Marvel Avengers experience, which increases activation and hence revenue to us and to our tenancies. And perhaps what is most ex exciting to me is the prospect of developing Fed Square 
both as a physical and a virtual square. Imagine events such as the Diwali Festival or the Chinese New Year festivities being accessible anywhere in the world, live, and in doing so, extending the concept of the Fed Square family to new dimensions. So how does an Apple global flagship store fit within this new direction and be consistent with our civic and cultural charter? And some of these you'll have seen on the screen from Tanya's presentation. This charter, and I quote, and this wasn't in the, on the screen, recognises Melbourne's preeminence as a centre for creativity and innovation. And as the objectives of the square, it mandates that it is to provide a stimulating, educational, comfortable and entertaining destination. It is to represent Melbourne as a leading city for the arts and for innovation and cult creativity in all forms of cultural expression. It communicates the city's leadership in contemporary ideas and expression, which attracts local, national and international visitors to the square. The Charter does not define restrictions on commercial activity, except to say that retail outlets will be incorporated on the basis of a relationship or theme to the major users and upon a level of, cultural, of contribution to the cultural and civic objectives. So let, at this point, let me clearly state that this global flagship store, as you've heard, only the second to be announced outside of the US after Milan and not requiring any Victorian taxpayers' money, is vastly different to a retail store in a shopping mall, though there will be a retail functionality to it. It is an internationally inspired community and innovation hub that will enhance Melbourne's inclusiveness connections and conversations. Global flagship stores offer a variety of free programs which include art and design, photography, coding workshops, business seminars and educational programs for children, adults and teachers. And in that descriptor is the exact synergy with our civic and cultural charter. Taking place in a high-tech environment featuring digital walls and performance spaces, these programs are offered every day of every week with local artists, authors and entrepreneurs being invited to hold uh, these in-store events. A more detailed outline of a global flagship store compared to a retail store is obtained by visiting today at Apple's website and I would encourage you to Google this site. But it's the depth and breadth of their cultural and artistic programming that makes Apple a great complement to the Square's civic and cultural fabric. But the benefits of Apple's presence is potentially even greater than all of this. Apple will enhance the great public programming of the Square currently, and that of its current tenants, the Koori Heritage Trust, ACME and NGV, by potentially partnering and holding regular cultural innovation and community events with them. But the opportunities and possibilities presented in Melbourne are unique. Nowhere else currently in the world can we co-locate a technology hub with organisations such as a gallery or ACME, ACME already starting collaborations with Apple in anticipation of their coming here. The history of the moving image is arguably inextricably linked to the development of technology and I also recall that about 12 months ago, the NGV featured an exhibition by the British artist David Hockney, whose recent work has been created on iPads. 
I know several discussions have already occurred with our cultural tenants, all of whom, all of whom have indicated exciting possibilities for future collaboration. Let me also say that from a financial viewpoint, this project will create a revenue stream to Fed Square, which is better than the business as usual scenario of the Yarra building. With a conservative estimate of an additional two million visitors, this door will make Federation Square more vibrant and more exciting. It will enhance Melbourne's reputation as a city fostering technology and cultural activity by creating a co-located synergistic relationship between Apple and the other tenancies which can only exist by a presence in the square. Having considered many other locations in Melbourne over many years, if it does not proceed in the square, I believe the store will be relocated to Sydney. A global flagship store fits hand in glove with our civic and cultural charter, which again, let me repeat, calls for innovation and creativity in all forms of cultural expression. And where this may take us into the future is only limited by our collective ability to dream and imagine. The proposed Apple Global flagship store in Federation Square is a win for the square and for the city, and I commend it all to you. Yeah. Before we go on to um, uh. comment on that, he did mention one of the great tenants, the word he used, great tenants, was the Koori Heritage Trust. Just before we go on, just ex- can you explain for those who aren't aware what is proposed in this proposal? Um, so what will happen is that the Yarra building, which is the building to the Yarra side of Fed Square, the standalone building that currently houses the Koori Heritage Trust and some cafes, um, will be demolished uh, and Apple will be building their building there. Um, this is over the Yarra side, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he said, sorry to interrupt, but he said in the thing that everybody, in his speech, that everyone, all the current tenants were excited. I can imagine the people in the building that's being demolished are not excited or the Curry Heritage Trust? Um, you know, we haven't actually spoken to all the current tenants. I'm yeah. assuming Fed Square Management has. Um, the Curry Heritage Trust. Um, have actually put out statements saying they will actually get um, a larger uh, footprint. They're moving to the Deacon building, which is opposite. Uh, okay. um, so they're actually being quite well catered for. Okay, I see. Cool. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, the the inference, well, not more the inference, obviously the outright fact he put forward in that was that Federation Square is not a public open space at all, but in fact it's a business that has to make money. Is that, is that what public open spaces are about? Well, for us, absolutely not. Um, we, although Fed Square is run under a business model, apparently, as we've heard, mm. um, that business is owned by the government, and we would say that the government is um, account. We should hold the government accountable mm-hmm. uh, as Victorians yeah. for taking our public space and dealing with it in this manner, in a way where there was no public consultation, and this was. Um, done in secret and behind closed doors and then just announced as a done deal. We think it's appalling. One of the reasons that they gave was that the um, Fed Square as an organisation loses money. James, you had some information about other public institutions. I, I brought in some statistics that yeah. I prepared Statistics earlier. are good. Yeah. <laughs> you mean you came prepared <laughs> to we, this program? That's unusual. <laughs> Sorry. It's a break for tradition. <laughs> We're going downhill fast here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, when, it, when it when it comes to public spaces, I think we th- we see them as public goods. 
Yep. And what that means for us is the government has a role to contribute to them mm-hmm. uh, in the same way it might contribute to schools or hospitals or public parks and gardens, mm-hmm. which all would lose money if they ran, were expected to run under this very narrow business model. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to sites, to particular tourist sites and other perhaps comparable events in the way that Jonathan Tribe anyway describes Fed Square, we have, for example, the Grand Prix, which lost $60 million last year and was provided, which was provided directly from the state government. Mm. The Exhibition Centre has lost $87 million uh, over the last, I think, five years mm. and continues to receive large capital injections from the state government. And our question really, as part of the Our City, Our Square campaign, is it may well be acceptable for Fed Square to lose money. Mm. So obviously the government's model here is broken. And what needs to happen is for uh, for the state government to step in and say, we're going to cover this $5 million loss because in the scheme of things with the surplus and everything else, it's pocket mm. change. Mm. Considering what mm. kind of costs are given from the, what kind of funds are given from the government to support other public That's right. yes. events and spaces. Yes. But yeah. also the tourists that attracts, I mean, you can't calculate, but they it may attract tourists who bring money into the economy anyway, um, which is incalculable in terms of, so the loss is probably quite... Mm obfuscated in a real as a real figure that's right and no study has been done of the greater kind of multiplier or economic effects effects of fed square mm. so the reason why the grand prix is allowed to lose money is because of what it contributes to the greater economy mm. and we really we call on the state government and we call on on, on jonathan tribe and the management at, at fed square to do a study of the broader economic benefits. Mm. And we have people we can suggest to help out as well. Mm. Mm. The the greater economy of Bernie Eccleston, I would have thought in that case. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, So there's uh, currently uh, Acme building, Mm -hmm. uh, moving image something. (laughs) And and then there's NGV Mm -hmm. um, and the Curry Heritage Trust. But there's also, uh, there are commercial buildings in there, like cafes and things. So what's the, like he said, there was an amendment to the planning scheme to allow for the Apple Square. Mm-hmm. Is what's what was the relationship for, with commercial buildings before, and how do you think this will like change the the feel of the space? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Fed Square is governed by a civic and cultural charter, as Jonathan mentioned in his talk. Um, he has one interpretation of that civic and cultural charter, mm-hmm. and we would ha- we have another, and it's on Fed Square's website. I'd encourage everybody to take a look at it. It's not very long, mm. and see how you interpret it for yourself. Um, but the reality is, is it talks about retail mm. contributing to civic and cultural values, the civic and cultural values of Fed Square. And our position is that Apple is neither civic nor cultural. So mm. Jonathan can talk about education, but the reality is is that it's experiential branding. Mm. So Apple is actually using a form of community engagement, which is very, very common in branding strategy nowadays, to push its product. Yeah, essentially, and it's pretty shameless, really. Um, yeah, uh, and so I think that the retail that's currently in Fed Square, we're not against commercialisation, but it's all around social. Yeah, it's all around grabbing a bite to eat with family, meeting friends for a drink, movie. Mm. Yeah, you know, yeah, and then it's the cultural, the cultural yeah. stuff that's mm. that's really important, and I I just don't see, I can't interpret Apple the, the lo- as relating to that. The logical conclusion to what he says would be, would it not, if it if it's about commercial and making money, that indeed every square centimetre of the square ought to become a commercial enterprise mm. and be built on. That, that's right, and this is just just the beginning. 
what what stops other buildings being demolished at Fed Square to turn into a massive mm. massive shopping centre in the middle of the city? Yeah. I mean, Fed Square yeah. would make a hell of a lot more money for the government if it was a shopping centre. It might mm. need a James Packer Hotel or something at some stage. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a good yeah. idea. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. I also think the reality is that Apple would work much better in terms of a business model in other places in the city. Yeah, we've discussed um, that on the show before. Yeah. yeah. Mm. What kind of, in what ways do you think? Like? Well, I just think, you know, the idea that Apple draws a certain type of foot traffic mm-hmm. and when they say visitors, it's not, they're not visitors anymore, they're consumers, mm-hmm. you know. So if they're inside the retail core of the city, then you'll be drawing those consumers or those, you know, those mm-hmm. shoppers mm-hmm. past other small businesses in the city. Yeah. So that seems to me a much broader capitalisation and a much better use of an Apple store in the CBD, whereas in Fed Square it just seems to make no sense. That's a really good point. It's not in keeping with the the tone of the space no, at absolutely all. Yeah. No, yeah. And this, of course, was all done in secret negotiations. Now, according to the article in The Age last week where the, where the upper house was knocked it off, or at least approved it, unfortunately, and the Greens opposed it. Uh, it says that um, negotiations had going on for about two years, but they kept the talk secret until the project was confirmed five days before Christmas, the usual usual timing. Now, you know all, but all that again indicates that um, you know it's all been very secret when they talk the same government and people talk about public consultation all the time. So mm, didn't get much of that. I mean, you know, it's our primary civic st- space. It's our most important piece of civic infrastructure in the city and to have not included the public in consultation in any way, shape or form is really just And bad indeed, governance. for those who aren't aware, the planning minister, in fact, took it out of the hands even of local government mm. and just took it upon himself to approve it without consulting anybody. Well, the City of Melbourne Except were Apple. upset. Mm. The City yeah. of Melbourne were incredibly upset. Mm. Our, our campaign helped facilitate and tried to get the message out there that the City of Melbourne had an opportunity to take a stand against this and we and we ended up helping to facilitate almost 850 submissions wow. to the City of Melbourne, which which, which what we've heard is a record number of submissions to a council motion wow. to get the City of Melbourne to stand up, and, and they did. And Rob Adams will now be involved, which has been a success for the campaign, that he will be involved in the decision, but... I think the biggest success for the campaign would be finding a somewhere else for this, this Apple yeah, store. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the threat was made that if it wasn't in Fed Square, it wouldn't be in Melbourne at all. I go to Sydney. It, yeah. Oh, oh, horrifying. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Sydney can have it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, but also, but the, the secret negotiations will also indicate we probably don't know under what conditions they're going there. I mean, despite the bloke, the bloke just talking about making money, etc. We assume they're going to get there on a very cheap rental or something to attract them there. We have, um, yeah, we no have idea. no idea. Mm. Mm. I think it's incredibly sad as well. We don't know how much we're selling our yeah what public pro- spaces for. Yeah, and what are what are they afraid of of talking to people about yeah. our public spaces? Yeah. And so mm. there's no um, knowledge that you guys have about how the process began. Um, you know, not really beyond yeah. what's been reported. I yeah. mean, we know that I think about a year ago, a year and a half ago, there was um, a little bit of kind of kerfuffle. We knew that maybe somebody was talking to Apple about moving okay. into Fed Square, yeah. and there were a few articles written about it, but yeah. I think most people dismissed it as right. insane, um, fairly mad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then all of a sudden it popped up again, and everybody just went, Oh my god. 
God, really? Yeah. It was quite a shock. I thought it was a joke. I saw it on Facebook and I was like, that's funny. Someone's done a satirical piece about Apple going into Fed Square. And then I looked and I was like, that's not a joke. That's unbelievable to me. Yeah. No. We we know that there are are, uh, two ministers in the Andrews government that have been pushing this incredibly hard. Right. And we also know that Jonathan Tribe has been pushing this. And we think the three of them are those that that are responsible for doing this. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if any if anyone heard uh, the speech that was given by Philip uh, D- D- uh, uh in the upper house last week. Oh, right. But it makes Jonathan Tribe sound sensible. <laughs> yeah, he, he was quoted in the Age. Um, he is saying it would be a global beacon for the tech sector alongside San Francisco and Tel Aviv, etc., etc. Yeah, there we go. But so only if, oh, sorry, he's the but only if, you use, a, only if yeah. you use an Apple product. <laughs> if you want to use anything else, yeah, right. you're in trouble. You mentioned Rob Adams, of course, and he is the director of planning, or is in Melbourne, the city of Melbourne. He's recently co edited a book also about Melbourne choreography and planning with, with Dobie from uni, from Melbourne, etc. Uh, and, and indeed, the City of Melbourne has recently brought down new guidelines for future buildings in which they say certain designs really are inappropriate and we're going to try and stop them. Now, I would have thought, from what I've heard, this design does, wouldn't meet their own guidelines, would it not? And, uh, yeah, well, it, it's, well, we don't know what the design is exactly, do we? But, but that, and that's what's, what's interesting is that we don't, and we've seen Melbourne undergo a transformation in the last 20 years, and that's what that book is about. I haven't had a chance to go through mm. it properly yet. It's called and Urban it, Choreography. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, yeah, I have a copy sitting on my desk. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but, and I'm looking forward I, I, to it. I was Do telling you... other people, I wasn't telling you. <laughs> I know, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Ron Jones is one of the co-authors of that book and he spoke um, on our side during the debate and he, I think he very, very clearly demolished um, Don Bates's arguments uh, mm. as to why the Yarra Building should be um, removed and an Apple store uh, put in to replace it. I Mm. mean, he actually spoke very, very eloquently about how a lot of the uh, new kind of connective connective public space to the Yarra could actually be instituted Mm. with the Yarra building remaining Mm. um, if there was a will to do it. Mm. Uh, He also talked about Don Bates's, uh, sorry, lab architectures because it's um, Mm. a bit bigger than just Don. Um, their original vision for the square where the Yarra building actually enclosed was seen as a key figure in terms of enclosing the square and making it feel like a place that kind of embraced people. Mm. Um, Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. I think you can actually listen to – you heard the um, talk on Stick Together, didn't you, Kevin? The uh, the debate. It was actually on. I was on Solidarity oh, Breakfast. Solidarity yeah, Breakfast. I, I may have said to you stick to girl last week. Oh, I'm not oh, sure, but I yeah. might have remembered incorrectly. But yeah, that means that yeah. people who are listening now want to hear it can look it up on our three CR yeah. website and yes. actually yes. hear the whole. Yes, and yeah, and it's yeah. also yeah. Uh, the videos on the um, Open House Melbourne Facebook okay. page. Great. That's well, good. the, the debate. It was it was him tribe, and it was a woman. Not you saying it wasn't you, but it was another woman. Were you the only woman who spoke on your side? Or no, no, woman? no. Uh, I spoke on um, the negative and Esther, Anata- Esther Anatolitis, sorry Esther, right. um, closed our arguments in a very, very fiery way. Oh, right. nice. Well, that program had one or other of you um, uh, or one of you re- yeah. respond, talking mm-hmm. your whatever you said at the thing. Yeah. And it would seem to be a response to what he'd said. So it sounded like someone who'd spoken after him. Yeah, that would have been Esther. Right. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so the other this um, may, the the other thing about this shop is that it's an American company and it's going into a space which is 
explicitly about Australian culture. So mm -hmm. that's another concerning element. That is, are people talking about that at all? Or a, a lot of people have, yeah. and yeah. what concerns us most is that it's it is the kind of corporatization yeah. of mm. of the swear. Yeah. It's less that it's an American company specifically, yeah. but it's yeah. about that that Fed Square is a quintessentially Melbourne space, and yeah. and Melbournians should have been spoken to. Mm. And if if tech is going to be the focus as part of a Fed Square. It would have been great to speak to some tech entrepreneurs mm. in Melbourne and mm. and so on. Apple yep. isn't the only beacon of, of innovation in the in the world. Yep. So it can mm. actually inhibit local and small people who are companies and 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 groups that are doing things. Designers yeah. and so forth. There's yeah. just so much great stuff happening in Melbourne. Yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah. Is it synergize? That? Yeah. <laughs> to, to quote we can use that word as well. Yeah. Yeah. We'll ring him and ask if we got it right. Um, the, but also, of course, um, the fact that it is, it is the sort of committee it is, that, or whatever it's called, community of management, not community of management, but it's virtually a, a business running the square. Now, surely a public space, if the government, government run by a government, they could have a committee of management to run it and manage it, but it's a committee of management that shouldn't see it as a business. It should see it as just mm. running it on behalf of the state, and the state ultimately should have the, the final say on what happens there. Yeah. Uh, so this whole concept of, of turning it into, into a, where we started off from, but surely it's, that's really the, the key to the whole thing, isn't it, that they see that they've got to make money when they haven't. I would have thought. I mean, I think Apple in some ways is just a quick fix. And what we actually really need is to take a look at how Fed Squares run yeah. and how we can um, really make it fantastic. Mm. We need a vision to take it into the future. Mm. I think we understand that public space everywhere um, faces challenges. Mm. Um, but we need to really think about how we face those challenges, and we don't see Apple as the answer. Mm. No, well, Joe Toscano, who does the show after this, I mean, he, he and his team have gone down there and, and, and occupied the space, claiming that it is public space, and they, you mm. know, they were thrown out and like, Britain being sued for being on public open space. They had no right to protest there. They finally won that battle, I think, over years of protesting. Mm. But, you know, that's it's an example where, in fact, it's open space until someone goes there and does something they don't like. I, mm. I think public spaces are what we make them. Mm. And, and and that really speaks to that. If if this Apple store is ultimately built, that's the public space that Melbourne's going to have and that's mm. going to be the kind of mm. model and that's not the model that we want for the future of Melbourne. Because there's so many mm. clever things happening like in Melbourne, in other places around the world about people, you know, connecting to one another in public spaces mm -hmm. that that could be championed in in this particular instance. Um, a community consultation on what people want to see in the space would be totally different. So I guess you guys have ideas about what could happen and ways that people can get in, involved. Yeah. Yeah, what kind of things are you... Um, well, currently at the moment, we're talking to a whole range of different people who are interested in getting involved. Um, it's kind of early, early stages yet, but we're mm. hoping to kind of um, look at a program... Mm. Uh, a way we can kind of create um, a program that makes the issues visible mm. around Fed Square, leading up initially, I suppose, to the election, because it's an election year. So we feel like yeah. even though the motion, the amendment wasn't disallowed mm. in Parliament, mm. I think the people still have the opportunity to have a say mm. in this space. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so we're not going to go away just yet. Brilliant. And, and, we, mm. and we call out, we're looking for as, as many volunteers and people that can assist as possible, uh, just uh, people with specialist knowledge or really anyone, uh, yeah. planning planners, lawyers, anyone who wants to kind of have a chat with us, we'd love to, awesome. love to hear from you. Yeah, well, that's the obvious next question because Parliament last week took a vote and the, the the newspaper reports anyway suggested that's the end of it and it's going to go ahead. Um, what's your attitude to that? Keep fighting? Yes. Oh, it was very difficult. We obviously were very broken-hearted yeah. when that happened. But I think the reality is, is when we formed, we knew that that probably wasn't going to get over the line anyway. Yeah. Um, it would have been a nice show of bipartisan politics, we thought, mm. but by the Liberal Party specifically. Yeah. Um, and we know that there is will on both sides, and even within the Labor Party. I mean, it was reported in the newspaper that cabinet was split mm. on this decision. It came. It was very, very fine. So, mm. in some ways, that's heartening, mm. but then also in some ways, it makes you realise on on what a nice edge mm. these kind of things are balanced so we think mm. we can still make a difference we've heard from a, a huge number of people uh, in richmond which is uh planning minister dick Wynne's seat as mm. well uh, and he's the one who can ultimately pull this he has a ministerial power and he's mm. trying to evade responsibility so far but maybe his seat hangs in the balance and wow. it might make him reconsider that's well, the, cool well in fact the last election uh, up till about nine or ten at night they were giving that seat to the greens um, kathleen Maltzahn, who ran oh, for the right. greens and and, uh, and, the, and it swung late at night again back to him. But, at um, the last so it's election, it was that tight. Yeah, it, and it she's running again to... this time. So, yeah, wow. it's interesting. We've heard from a lot of people who, intent, who, may, who may well use Fed Square as the kind of symbol for, the, for leaving the Labor Party wow. in, terms of, in yeah. terms of voting. And so. we do think, I mean, our kind of data shows that um, it cuts across party lines. Like this yeah. is an issue that really... <laughs> Strikes at the heart. You know, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right yeah. into the eastern seats, mm. you know, eastern seats in Melbourne. And, I mean, it just seems like, I mean... Wow. God, what kind of legacy does Labor want to yeah. leave? Do you want to be the party mm. that destroyed the party Fed big Square? Business. The, the, so in the debate last week, uh, Phil, Dave Davis, um, parents must hate him. Anyway, David Davis, <laughs> the Liberal Shadow Planning Minister, said Labor had botched the planning process by failing to consult with the community. We, we agree with that. Mm -hmm. It's a process which should have delivered an outcome which has been had been refined and improved by the government on the way through. Instead of that, we've had a secret of process. So he's very opposed to it. Then he voted for it. Can anyone explain? Oh. Yes. I mean, you made that point, but it's quite strange that uh, they come out and attack it in Parliament and then vote with them. Maybe they have some other ideas to, to stop it. Other than <laughs> lose, <laughs> lose governance. Like. Well, there's not we much hope there. We have to let um, James and Tanya go because they have an appointment at 10. Oh, do they write? Okay. Sorry. But we like to run right up to the 10 o'clock mark. But, oh. um, <laughs> oh, no, we'll, we'll keep on. We'll keep talking about it. But. Oh, I could probably yeah. stay for oh, a little okay. bit longer if, if you're willing yeah, to. Yeah, no, I'm totally fine. <laughs> that would be but James has to go. Thank yeah, you, James, right. for coming in today. Thank you. Okay, yeah. James, thanks a lot. And we'll, we'll, uh, you, well, what we'll, do, we'll talk to you about in a moment is you've, you've, the introduction said that your group is involved in you know, broader issues around Melbourne as well. We might have a quick talk about that and then give details of what you're uh, about, how to contact <laughs> the group, et cetera. Yeah. Mm. So see how we go. I'd be interested mm -hmm. to know on that on that point right, James, um, the backgrounds of of uh, the people who are involved and sort mm -hmm. of got it started. Just as a kind of as I'm interested in how you all sort of move from being interested people in the field to something where you're just like actually we're going to get together and take collective action about something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, James is an urban historian. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of an architect 
uh, by trade, but I'm very interested. I'm writing a PhD at the moment, so I'm very mm. interested in public space mm. and how we talk about public space uh, to public audiences, mm. essentially. Mm. Um, we have a few more architects on our team. Michael Smith writes a fantastic blog. Um, he was also uh, very, very feisty over the um, East West Tunnel. I think it was. we've talked about that on the show yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Because um, so City of Melbourne active. were against that as well, mm. weren't they? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, they, yeah, and that's. But the Liberal Party, if they get get re- get elected this year, mm. are going to resurrect that. That's the real problem. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so they're still arguing for it. So is the Herald Sun, of course. But anyway. <laughs> oh dear. Um, you know, we have uh, we have a, a couple more architects, and we have. Um, a heritage activist, another heritage activist, Rowan Story, cool. uh, and also um, two of the people who started petitions on change.org. Right. Um, yeah, so we just have a real passion, I think, mm-hmm. for the built environment and public space in mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. in our group. Um, we did meet, uh, we did form around this particular issue, mm. um, but we would like to continue on post this issue uh, and be advocates for public space in other in other forms. That's great. Mm. Mm. That's cool. It's a good thing to so do. So public open space in other forms, um, you mean around the city of Melbourne per se or around Melbourne generally, around the suburbs, et cetera? You um, you're well, you're so widening your... <laughs> we're not entirely sure yet what will come up next. <laughs> we're not quite looking for the next cause just yet. We think this one might be a long one, but yeah. we, are, we are definitely interested. Yeah. Um, in kind of continuing the fight. What is this. the time frame for the building of the Apple Store in Fed Square? Um, they're saying 2020, aren't they? It'll be open. Yes. So I think uh, they Apple might plans be to open the store ahead of the Christmas trading period in 2020, according to The Age last week. Mm. Mm. So I think construction is slated to start uh, next – or, you know, has been reported mm. as potentially starting next year. Okay. Um, so there's a year before it gets built, which is still possible to stop it. Yes. Yeah. But it's also, you know, it's also so reckless to uh, knock down a, an existing building and a building that was part of the original Fed Square mm. um, just to make way for this bloody thing. Well, it's only fifteen years old. Yeah, the yeah. building. I mean, I think, I, and I think that's an incredible testament to Fed Square how mm. much affection mm. and attachment people mm. feel to it. Mm-hmm. I feel to a place that's only fifteen. 15 years old. I think it's also because Melbourne's fought really quite long and hard to get a public space that works as mm. well as Fed Square works. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, I think knocking it down is incredibly wasteful. I think the other question that has to be raised around the building is that Apple really bases its branding around its iconic stores mm. and its architecture. Mm. So when and Apple. Its logo. Yeah, and which when, will be everywhere, of course. Yes, and it will be um, prominently plastered behind any cultural event that happens in the square. Mm. Um, but the other question, I suppose, around the sustainability that needs to be raised is: Will Apple want anybody to occupy their branded building, their mm. branded space, mm. after they move out? So, are we looking at you know, are we looking at a building that could be obsolete mm. um, in? In another short time frame, yeah. And if you take Tribe's argument that it's 15 years, he, he gave the impression that 15 years it was also now it was all falling down and terrible, we've got to replace everything. I mean, I suppose Sydney could say, look, the Opera House has been there for so many years, it's time we <laughs> knock it over and put something else there. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I think they're saying that. Yeah, yeah that's I think right. they're planning yeah. to upgrade yeah. it. Yeah. Put, a, put an Apple store there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, on point as oh well. God. Point. I mean, the other thing we need, you know, you, you could talk about as well in terms of, in terms of the architecture is that, um, you know, that that Apple style is a very specific style of architecture. Mm. It's kind of that minimalist corporate mm. um, style, and whether you like it or not, um, you know, how does that fit? Mm. within Fed mm. Square. Like, mm. what's the context of that? I kind of love Fed Square in some ways because it's really quirky and it's a bit odd and it just feels mm. like Melbourne. Mm. Mm. I don't know whether I'm actually, as an architect, whether I'm actually particularly enamoured with the style of Fed Square. Yeah. But um, I feel just such great affection mm. for it. Yeah, it's sort yeah. of grown on place. people, hasn't it, from the, ah, from the day absolutely. when it started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because the place is more than its architecture. It's how it's used and the people who are in it. Mm. And it's so well used and yeah. so many things happen there. Mm-hmm. And uh, such a gathering place for people mm-hmm. to see that sort of monetized, basically, to be like, we're going to have this many people and it's going to bring you know this much sort of like money into the space it's uh pretty depressing yeah yeah Yeah. i mean you know i think we should be really thinking about what the public interest is here Mm. this being city limits ending up on depressing is very (laughs) that's That's our usual that's what we do on this show we depress people no end i think Uh, it's really i've found it really optimistic just to change the tone shockingly um that the richmond um that when the election comes up the richmond area has a potential that it's a, a bit of a swinging well, it's area. It's very swinging. It's touch and go it's, yeah, for yeah. the government. Yeah. And that that's the minister who's in charge of, of this area. I've got a that's feeling, hopeful. I've got a yeah. feeling he's running um, because he's the best candidate they can see for themselves. And I think he might resign next term somewhere. But oh, wait, do you That's really only think? my speculation. But Interesting. I have yeah. no It's on the record <laughs> now. Yeah. So. Oh, is it? Okay, right yep. here. Uh, well, our six <laughs> listeners have heard it. <laughs> oh, no, someone's, when I say that, people ring me and say, don't say that. It's six awful. people ring um, you and say, that's don't. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> There's right. more than six No, one. <laughs> <laughs> one. <laughs> but look, um, before you go, though, let's finish up with how people can contact you and help and all that sort of stuff because we've only got about a minute. But yep, yeah. yep. So um, our website is www.ourcityoursquare.org. Um, so you can contact us through that website. There's multiple ways um, to get involved on it. Um, Citizens for Melbourne also have a website, which is a bit more minimalist mm. <laughs> at the moment yeah. than that, and that's citizensfor.melbourne. Um, but the Our City, Our Square website yeah. is probably the best yeah. one. Social media, it's the hashtag is Our City, Our Square. It's a good you one. You can find us through that. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good hashtag. Well, thanks for coming in. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. Mm. Thanks, Tanya. Yeah. yeah. All right. And next week, transport. Transport. Talking about more good public oh, services. Cheap yeah. people up no end yeah. again. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye. Deadly, 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 deadly. Black.